When the sun comes shining. We are spiritually and culturally connected to uh, this land. It's like the hair on your head. You pull one hair, you're not going to miss it. And I was scrolling. In every generation, you will always face somebody who represents greed. $150 trillion in mineral value locked up in federally controlled lands. And the dust clouds rolling. If the case can't be made to protect this place, how can you expect to protect anything? People will say, oh, the public land belongs to all the people. Belongs to all the people, I'd like them to tell me which part is mine because I want to sell it. The preponderance of the evidence that I have discovered. The uh, mine is right in front of me. Gotcha. There's an enormous well-heeled movement to take lands away from the American people to make vast sums of money for somebody and change our country forever. Representatives of Utah have taken upon themselves to declare war upon us, the Native American tribes. I'd drill in a cemetery if there was oil there. Our public land is not for sale and it's not going anywhere. Don Young does not represent the Gwich'in in our voice. I represent might, the last You might have to represent the Gwich'in. The largest rollback of federal land protection in U.S. The history. Over public the land. They really only really want You people are enemies, and we're going to get your asses, and we know what you're up to, and we're coming for you. There's a lot more people waking up now. We're taking a stand, and we're taking back our home. So ready for the fight, because we're not going to give up. This land that is ours together is a great land. Enjoy new chances for recreational use. To preserve places like this, we must bring to our work a new spirit of respect and cooperation. Without regard to party, to protect them for all of us and for our children. But what's at stake is this enormous common wealth, the American system of public lands. And I don't say we have the right to it. That's not it. You have the right to whatever you're willing to fight for. This land was made Hello. Angelo. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I, I saw public trust and uh, I think like most Americans had no idea what was going on. And uh, it, the documentary is so explosive and especially the plight for Native Americans. I had no idea. And uh, so thank you for talking to me today because you were featured in the documentary. And uh, I guess how are you approached to be in the documentary in the first place? Um, so I got involved with public trust by actually being in filmmaker circles already, having done uh, Shashjat Bear's Ears, which is a documentary short by uh, Native filmmakers like myself, um, including Teresa Montoya, Shoni De La Rosa, who are Navajo filmmakers as well. We wanted to tell the story of Bear's Ears from a Native perspective. So we set out to do that. And I feel like we were very successful in that endeavor. And so that kind of traveled across uh, different areas where film festivals and different uh, artists and filmmakers would congregate. And so I got to talk with um, 
both David Byers and uh, Jeremy Rubing. And uh, it was a great uh, conversation that we had because I felt like they were very interested. They wanted to do some deep dives and they weren't afraid to go there. And uh, there are some kind of like differences between, you know, how we envisioned it to be uh, versus how it actually came out. Um, but I think that always happens with large projects like this. But what I enjoyed the most was their willingness to both listen, engage, and uh, make sure that they tried to do their best um, by me and the indigenous communities they were representing. And Bears Ears Utah has such a, a cultural significance to your people that five tribes came together to defend their lands. And that was no small feat, was it? Yeah, I think that's one of the most underrepresented stories about the Bears Ears National Monument is that those five tribes historically were enemies and they did not have a strong connection to each other other than knowing that their heritage and ancestors were in that land. However, this effort to do the monument uh, in a collective way was so powerful and so inspirational for these tribes that they actually left a lot of that historical baggage at the door. And so that was really motivational and, and inspirational for me because as a young indigenous person who's pursuing my own education and taking up certain leadership roles, it was nice to see that role modeled. And it was nice to have uh, basically our elders kind of show a positive direction that was really productive. Um, I was really surprised. I'd never seen anything like that before, and it was happening right before my eyes. And in the documentary, uh, you know, President Obama signed protection for all federal lands, especially for Bears Ears and Anwar at the last minute, only to have the Trump administration come in and fill the swamp with his cronies and corporate interests and at lightning speed reverse everything you were fighting for over a period of years. I mean, that's just mind boggling. Yeah, I think what's really uh, difficult to wrap our heads around is just the sheer amount of effort that was garnered by the tribes, the leaders, the community members, the elders. Uh, just think about all the, the hundreds of thousands of acres that had to really be analyzed, examined, um, put into this proposal for the things that we were deeming as important, our priorities as indigenous folks knowing what the spiritual and cultural connections were of this landscape. And so try to take that and then translate it into Western American terms where they only understand numbers, statistics, uh, spreadsheets, uh, public uh, lands and uh, national monument terminologies. So it was a lot of work. I feel like it was like two or three times the work uh, that a normal effort like this would take coming from the indigenous side to, you know, propose to the powers that be that this be a reality. So yes, it was definitely a, a, a disappointment uh, when the reduction happened. But, you know, I think that we remain optimistic that it will finally be restored. Well, it was inspirational when in the documentary, Congressman Chaffetz was stopped in his tracks. So it, it shows that if people rise up and can be heard, but also it's a constant battle. You can't rest for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think any opportunity that people have to exploit both lands and people, uh, you know, those other interests that are taking priority over others, it, it, it's going to be, um, you know, made to be uh, exploited for gain. So we have to be vigilant now because 
I think right now we're in a very precarious moment in this country. We are not um, unified in many senses of the word. Um, I think the solidarity of the Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition is a good example of how to work across differences, but also just the, the sheer amount of unrest, both socially and culturally, that's happening. You know, we didn't talk about that in the film, but it's there. There's discrimination, there's racism, there's, uh, you know, indigenous uh, prejudices um, that are being displayed by uh, some heavily conservative groups who are not native. And this is, a, this is a, a moment in our country where we have to really confront that for our, our identity and our future. So there was, there was some feature in the documentary. I mean, Congressman Don Young saying they are not the people. I mean, how could you be so bold-faced racist saying that Native Americans are not the people, let alone, I just, I mean, that really stunned me. It really did. Yeah, see, and that's the power of the media, of the film. Um, that's why as a filmmaker, I've captured a lot of moments, especially during, you know, our county commission meetings where people used to say things like that freely in the open. But now that they know that we're actually watching them closely and we're keeping them accountable and responsible, uh, it's very powerful to have the camera as part of your weaponry. And, you know, Black Lives Matters, the movements, they know this. That's why the cell phone uh, video is so powerful. And even now, like when I'm in those meetings in public and I'm recording them, they watch what they say because they know they can't be openly racist like they used to be. And my roommate is Navajo. He just come back from the from Wind Rock a few weeks ago, and also uh, one of my good friends is from the Hopi tribe. So I'm I just I'm very in tune to uh, Native American issues. And you said something in the documentary that I found uh, pretty profound. You claim because of your youth that you get angry a lot, but your elders are teaching you patience. And I was wondering, is that a characteristic that's among the younger people that they're learning patience and and to be, you know, not to, you know, fly off the handle or because angry doesn't get you anywhere or? Well, you know, in that moment, I'm speaking for myself, how I reacted, because that's what David was asking me. Uh, and in that moment, you know, I was honestly reflecting about my own struggle as an indigenous, you know, brown skinned man that's receiving his education, not, you know, having an easy time doing it and earning it every bit of the way. And I just know that the more that I know, the more difficult it is for me to continue to have patience and tolerance and just generally educating uh, people about what they should already know when it comes to indigenous communities. But I found that it's actually something that is very fulfilling and rewarding because I'm doing this as part of my education, my, my experience both inside and outside of my community. And so it goes both ways. I get to educate my community at home, and then I get to educate the outside communities. And so Bears Ears is a great way to do that. It's finally opening the doors to talk about all those other issues besides just public lands and national monuments. And I find that to be uh, one of the best parts of this whole discussion, uh, even though it's not a central theme or uh, narrative inside the film, it does open the door for the potential to have those discussions, especially when it comes to working with indigenous youth, because of course, we are all still learning our traditions, our culture, our language, our history. And that's why 
the elders are so important because they carry all that traditional knowledge and they know about the land. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the TV show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, and uh, it's one of the biggest hits on television right now. And it's about ranchers and developers trying to take, and there's also the Native American community that's represented in the show, uh, trying to take their back, their land back, you know, away from Kevin Costner's character of the Dutton Ranch. And in the documentary, it says that ranchers are keepers of the public lands. You know, without them grazing and, and providing a service, that, that public lands would even go faster than, than normal. But uh, Taylor Sheridan on Yellowstone, he brings a lot of Native American issues to the, the public, you know, whether it be uh, the plights of missing women or uh, he does it through uh, all these different movies and television shows. But I just think that this is going on right now with the public lands and what's happening. He's using the television show to educate the American public through entertainment of what really is happening. So I, I think, I didn't know if you were familiar with that. You know, I haven't had a chance to watch that series, although I am familiar with a lot of other, especially native produced uh, stories, um, which I think are a cut above everything else. I think anything that's made by native filmmakers, storytellers, comes from them and their perspective, their community, that's better quality of a story than you can get from those from the outside who don't know. They're just trying to tell a story through their own eyes. So, I mean, I do enjoy those type of like fictional stories and I think they do bring up great issues, but um, it seems really relevant right now in the context that we're in currently in this country when it comes to public lands, because we still have those discussions and those disagreements. Um, you know, frankly, ran ranchers are very lucky. They even get the break they do from the federal government to, to ranch on public lands. I think they should be grateful both to the federal government and to indigenous communities because that's the land they directly benefit off of. And uh, more so with you, but I asked David, was there any kind, do you face trouble daily or, or intimidation of getting your voice heard through your filmmaking? Or uh, I'm sure that sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of a, a scary situation, getting your voice heard. Well, yeah, I'm becoming more and more of a, a public figure in my, in my area there and in, in my community. But, um, you know, that's something that I've always had inside of me is just like, a need to have the voice for my community, my family, my people, my culture. Um, it doesn't bother me. I'm not intimidated by it. I actually think what's happening is that it's discomfort that's necessary for them to experience because what we're doing is turning the current situation on its head and giving them a taste of what we've always been forced to have so that they understand that, you know, uh, power, privilege, uh, politics, all of that can change, but the community stays forever. And we are the community. We were there before, we're there now. And as native people, we'll always be there because that's home and we're not going anywhere. So they might as well sit down with us and have honest, open conversations that are productive and positive. And finally today, Angelo, what can the average person do? What kind of call to action can someone like me or someone who watches this documentary or watches one of your films, what, what's something we can do from, from our homes? Well, I think uh, that goes again towards, you know, looking at yourself as a person who has a lot of power. You have a voice, you have a vote, uh, you have resources, access, a bank account, a cell phone. You have a lot of the stuff that the rest of the world literally does not. So if you think about that for a second, you have a lot of powerful tools at your disposal. And so what we need are a lot of people standing up right now and being vocal and doing their part 
if you consider yourself a patriot, if you consider yourself a citizen, then you got to speak up for the lands because the lands have been here taking care of you. So that's the main piece is like, what can I do? Well, you have to think about what are my strengths? What am I, what am I able to do right now? Like I think about the uranium waste that's coming to uh, the White Mesa Mill over by Bears Ears. And I really want people to speak out against that because that's, that's poison from other parts of the world that we're taking here to Bears Ears. It doesn't make any sense. And it just takes one bad day for everyone to get exposed to this poison. And that's there for years. And it's really uh, a case of environmental racism. So if we want to restore racial justice, social justice, we really have to extend it to environmental justice because those are our relatives too. Well, Angela, you're an inspiration and I thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I know it was the last minute and he jumped on here for me. I, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate it, man. All right, take care.